Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Med Family. I'm the host, Eric Acker. I'm hosting Karen. Hi. And uh, so, yeah, this week we wrapped up quite a few things and <laughs> we're moving right along into the online pediatric rotation. Yeah, he's more worried about his shelf, and I'm more worried about, like, directly after shelf is holidays. So, making strides towards that. Yeah, so we have, obviously, this week, next week, and then I think a half a week where we will take the shelf on a Wednesday. So, we have a few days shy of the full week, and then Thanksgiving is the following day. I was looking online, and I think my next rotation after this is going to be OB, and I'll actually be online OB, so... We're basically going to be online until after the New Year's. So that gives us a little bit of flexibility for some of our plans, which I'm not sure what we're going to do, but we're, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it. Right. But yeah, we, we wrapped up the final week of in-person with pediatrics. And you know, all in all, I think it was a, a decent rotation. I got to learn a lot, got to experience a lot and uh, with and without, without, without patients, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and you got invited back, so... When the doctor you were following comes back from vacation, you're allowed to do morning rounds, which will actually, be a nice that break. Is the first time I think I was actually invited to come back and shadow uh, a preceptor. Not that I, I didn't like my previous preceptors. They were all very good. But this is the first one I think that actually extended the invitation to come by after or in the mornings and do the rounds with him. And I think I'll definitely do that because he taught a lot during rounds and I learned a lot during rounds. So uh, if there was like one part of the rotation I liked the best, I'm sure I've said it before, but it was definitely the morning rounds at the hospital. It also gives me kind of an excuse to grab some lunch before I go back to the learning center to, to study for the shelf exam. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. He, he's that preceptor is out of town for about a week and a half, so I, I don't really have too many excuses to not do studying in the morning and then in the afternoon. But once a week and a half go by, goes by, I'll be able to do a little bit more in person morning work. So, well, it'll be a nice breakup because you can go. You can it it, it incentivizes you, you to get out of bed, get up, go to the hospital. You do your morning rounds and then you go and study because when you know you're online, like you can get up, you can have coffee with me, you can hang out with the kids for a little bit, and then eventually you can move your butt out and go and study. But I think it's been a little bit hard to study. Partially, part of that's my fault. We have, I have given chores <laughs> so or i have I well, we have, have a, some family things list. we need to get taken care of and so like today eric brought our oldest to get his hearing checked again again but i mean it's hoops that you jump through so that you yeah. can get what you need he as part of a speech therapy which i think is what he needs you have to do a hearing test which we did when he first got speech therapy he, years ago but for whatever reason that 
three-year-old hearing test isn't acceptable, so we have to go to the health department. We went to the health department today and got that taken care of. It. I uh, forgot about my son's anxiety about doctor's <laughs> offices. He was very tense and very on edge the entire time during that appointment. And I tap my foot when I'm, I'm just waiting if I'm bored. And he like, even would put his hands on my foot and go, no, can we go home now? <laughs> like every every couple minutes let's go home turn right and then left and then right and that which is the exact way you would need to turn to get out of that building <laughs> he knew his exits yeah he, he knew how to get out of there uh he we wasn't given him a treat after being so good after I the doctor's office he, he did good and it really was just a hearing test it wasn't he, he wasn't, wasldn't getting, getting shots, shots. <laughs> so so that was the morning's project. I think tomorrow's morning's project is to get Nora's glasses fixed. yeah, thank goodness we got two because her brother broke her other pair. <laughs> didn't take very long, but <laughs> it's the second time that pair has gotten broken, so those ones aren't holding up as well as the uh the, yeah, well the uh, first time they just got bent, yeah, they get like sat on or something like that, and now it's now it's broken. And so hopefully there's a warranty or we can get it replaced. Not the glasses, the glasses part, or the actual prescription part that's super duper expensive. So hopefully... The frames. The frames is what's We can just replace the frames and be on our way. Uh, We'll see how that goes. (laughs) But that should be a quick trip tomorrow morning and then back to to studying. I I wish I could have something interesting to report with my studying, but it's iHuman time, so... (laughs) Well, you got through all of your med ed videos. Yeah, I'd already started most of the med ed videos during my in-person rotation to try to keep up with what he was asking me and what topics he wanted me to prepare for to answer questions on and whatnot. And so I I had only a few videos left, and I wrapped those up today. I made a template for my iHuman, so every every time I start a new rotation, I, I start a template for my soap notes and write down all my patients I have to cover and then trying to organize it so I can just like quickly go through and add information. And so it's, it's kind of like being a scribe in a way, just trying to get through the information quickly. And so I'm just waiting on a little bit more details, which I think I got an email from one of my, my uh, cohort, my friends who has uh, done the online pediatric rotation. So he's going to give me kind of a, what they're looking for. Cause there's a, a slight tweak to the soap note. They want differential diagnoses on the pediatric ones and so I wanted to take a look at what differentials he included and how much information he included so I I knew what to do because I just kind of want to hit the ground running and again it's going to be the same program as before my only my only tweak to the program is probably going to be I will get them all written out and only submit like one a day because I have heard that this preceptor actually reviews and grades and gives feedback so I'll have them all done, and as she grades them, I will tweak the other ones and then submit another one, and she'll grade that one, tweak again, submit, and just kind of keep rolling like that. That way I can maximize as many points as I can get, as opposed to just dumping all my soap notes all at once and then, you know, kind of shrugging and going, oh, well, I lost, you know, 10, 20 points here and there. <laughs> I haven't had that happen yet. I don't want it to happen, so... All in all, yeah, that's more or less the plan, I guess, going forward. Well, I've been trying to do some 
QBank questions as well. And I think, unfortunately, Karen and maybe even another med student got to listen to me vent about how much I felt about the Kaplan questions and the question banks that they had. And just, I don't know, just so annoying. (laughs) The only purpose I feel like it serves is to really just shoot down your confidence level. So this particular question is asking, you know, it's basically trying to get you to know what pyloric stenosis is in a, you know, a baby that's about two weeks old comes, as I four weeks old comes to the clinic because the baby's been vomiting, it's non-bilious vomit. And there's like a nodule mass that's kind of in the substernal area of the abdomen. You can see peristalsis of the intestines kind of going on. And then there's some labs that it just kind of waves its hand and says there's some labs that confirm diagnosis. What would be, oh, and then you add, and then it says you place an IV and an NG tube. And then what's the next step in management of this patient? Okay, well, this is pyloric stenosis. So this is obviously two weeks post-birth. Sometimes some kids will have an an overgrowth or hypoplasia of the pyloric uh, sphincter of the stomach. And I apologize if I got that wrong. But essentially, it gets more narrow, and that's why the little nodule and the, the masses and the, the uh, upper abdominal quad, quadrant. And you treat it by excising it, you know, cutting it out. Or some people will put a balloon in there and like expand it. Or you, there's a few ways you can deal with it, but generally it's surgical excision. But you can diagnose it with an ultrasound. The answer to this one was manage the hypochloremia and then the hypokalemia because the baby's been vomiting. And in my opinion, that's just kind of a, an annoying answer because they didn't have an answer choice for surgery. They didn't have an answer choice for ultrasound. And which, you know, those are all the, you know, the right answer choices for the diagnosis. But it's just annoying because like you put an IV in, obviously you are running fluids. Like, you'd have to be an idiot to not run fluids after you're establishing an IV on a baby that's been vomiting. So, to me, it seems like it's implied (laughs) that you put an IV in, you're putting fluids in. And maybe you're adding fluids that have a little bit like sodium chloride, some potassium. You're adding some fluids back in. So, it's just a little annoying to have a question that's like, we need you to know what the metabolic state is when some baby vomits. And so we really just are asking you, are they low on chloride and low on potassium after they vomit and they have metabolic alkalosis? Like, yeah, yeah, there's a way to ask that question. Anyway, it's just kind of an annoying, like, Kaplan question. You you see those in UWorld too, I suppose, but it's just nothing more than to knock your confidence down a bit. But the reality is... You probably would have got that right. If you were presented with a patient in the clinic or in the hospital, you would have gotten that one right because the IV is placed. The NG tube is placed. You are running fluids. You are feeding the baby. Okay, now it's time to just confirm the diagnosis. Run that ultrasound. <laughs> confirm what, what you think it is. Then surgically correct it so that now that the baby's electrolytes are balanced, they can go through surgery and they can recover and then they can feed normally again and 
And he's totally over this question. Over, oh, totally over this question. <laughs> just. There's at least one or two each rotation that just... Infuriating. Just There's yeah. no other point than to make <laughs> the med student feel like they're complete morons. Oh, you got the question wrong. And I think what makes it worse is that Kaplan rated it an easy question. And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and they even said something to the effect of like... Well, ultrasound is probably not the correct answer because all the clinical signs pointed to pyloric stenosis. And it's like, I don't know if there's actually a surgeon out there that would just be like, hey, look, there's a mass in the upper quadrant of the abdomen. Uh, The baby's been vomiting a bunch. Let's just open them up. Like, (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure the surgeon would ask for some imaging just to confirm before they start cutting into a baby. Like, well, I think you'd do that for most any patient, <laughs> like, baby or not. Confirm <laughs> the diagnosis and then start cutting into the person. Like, it, But Kaplan was like, oh, no, the clinical picture was perfect for pyloric stenosis. You would just go straight to surgery. You wouldn't even do an ultrasound. Like, That's nuts. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Yeah. And again, this is, could be just the difference between probably how clinical medicine is performed and how the boards want you to address the problem. So that is just how it is, I suppose. Anyway, there's sometimes you run across these questions that very frustrate, very much frustrate me. But obviously, I am a baby doctor, as Karen likes to say, and I, <laughs> it's very true. I I do need to learn more. Obviously, I do, and I, I'm trying to keep a humble opinion of myself. Like I don't know everything. I'm not going to get a hundred percent on this shelf. I am trying to get a hundred percent, but I still have two and a half weeks to study. I have a lot of progress yet to be made. So it's okay to be humbled. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think I mean this has absolutely nothing to do with it, but our, our schedule did get thrown off a little the last like week or so. We had. Sick kiddos. We oh, had, yeah. Uh, daylight savings time. Daylight savings. I hate daylight savings. If that would savings. just go away, that would be great. It is awful with kids. I, it's great as a single person. <laughs> oh, I get an extra hour of sleep. But with kids, they don't like... I know. Yeah, You, you would think <laughs> we were crazy to complain about an extra hour. Oh, the clock went back an hour. You got an extra hour of sleep. What are you complaining about? The, the well, kids woke up at four. The kids, the kids internal <laughs> clock did not go back an hour. We put the kids to bed... <laughs> At their normal bedtime, according to daylight savings, so they got an hour less sleep, but they still woke up at the same time at like 4.45 in the morning. And so by Mm. 4 o'clock this afternoon, I was about ready for (laughs) them to just... We're done. Y'all need to sit in separate parts of the house. (laughs) Oh my goodness, yeah. As parents, it's not the greatest thing. Like (laughs) Consistent schedules would be fantastic. So yeah, their early morning wake-ups don't pair well with our late night (laughs) (laughs) go-to-beds. No. Well, so this week, some friends of ours moved. Their lease was up and they're... They're just moving from one house to another in the same... Same city. Yeah, so I spent some of this week helping them paint, and Eric spent some of Saturday helping them move. I have to say that the moving operation that they have, uh, so they're part of a church community. Uh, I'm just There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, LDS. Brandon has been on this show before, 
very nice people, uh, very, very good group of people to be around. But when you, when you move, like I've done this like two or three times with members of their church, that, that operation is, is amazing. Like I've, I've done lots of moves with my friends where you just, you drive into their house and you're just like praying that they actually box stuff up. <laughs> and you could you know you're gonna be like one of five people one of three people to move their entire house so you're like this is gonna be an all-day thing and i'm just looking for you know a case of beer and a pizza at the end of the day and, I, and that'll be you know thanks enough but like i've done like three of these moves now and holy holy monkey like they <laughs> they have like it feels like a, a dozen people there and they can strip a house down in like no time like two hours and your house is like back down to the drywall and it's amazing like they, they just like okay what do we got to do and they just look around and find stuff and they they get a moving van you load up the moving van there's like a couple of the older guys who are good at tetris and they're back in the day you know like they, <laughs> they probably have like the world record somewhere and they're like lodging things in and making sure everything fits and so everyone everyone loads it up and then you know two hours later the house is completely empty mostly empty any or any anyway and then you drive off to the next house you unload it and it's the same thing like but that's even quicker because you don't have to actually set up the stuff you just have to put it back in the house yeah so i think you met at nine and you were back by noon oh yeah and we i talked for probably an hour before i even left like there was a <laughs> bunch of students there so we were chatting about our holiday plans and we were done probably an hour before we headed back to the house so and like if if this group of people were less scrupulous like if they were a little more mischievous they could probably like rob someone's complete house in like oh, two hours <laughs> but they're nice people so they wouldn't do that oh, <laughs> karen told me i couldn't say that but <laughs> We'll see if it gets edited out or not. Anyways. They're good people. They wouldn't do that. I'm just I saying know. they could if they I ever know. wanted to. I know. So I'm not sure if I will be going over this week to paint because we only got two two rooms done. And I think there's at least three to go. So. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you just got to let me know. Yeah. Well, usually it's at night and I'm home at mm -hmm. night. Like I'm not, I'm not at rotations and I'm not trying to stay until eight o'clock at night in the study hall to the study. I, I mean, I get to a point where I just can't hold any more information. I just got to go home. Yeah. And so our goals for this week, or at least mine, <laughs> is start getting the house company ready for Thanksgiving and wrap all the Christmas gifts. Yeah. So you might know this is still two, three weeks before Thanksgiving. And Karen is now talking about wrapping Christmas gifts. She she's already bought most of everybody's Christmas gift. Probably hasn't gotten mine yet because she was still bugging me yesterday about what I wanted for Christmas. I have not gotten yours, and I have... This is a perk to be married to Karen, though. And, like, you don't have to worry about Christmas gifts. Like, <laughs> she... This is a good thing. Like, you actually are listening to conversations with other people. You're looking at the Amazon list. You're thinking about it. You're looking at reviews. And you, you're getting thoughtful gifts and sending them off. And then you're getting them ahead of time. So we're not like doing Christmas Eve shopping at the mall. And then, or like 
you're buying it online and then printing out a page, you know, printing the page that you bought it from being like, here's your gift. It'll be here in the seven to 14 days, depending on how UPS travels. Like, <laughs> so Karen is actually on the ball. This is, this is actually good. Like last week we talked about how my family was habitually late. So that story about how you print the screen of what you bought and then you hand it to the person in the envelope is an actual real story. I've done that many times for my family. And my family has done that many times for me. <laughs> but with Karen, that doesn't fly. You end up with like a whole bunch of Christmas gifts weeks in advance, months well, in I advance. Figured I figured I knew that he, Eric had the three weeks of online. We weren't sure what his next rotation was going to be. So I figured anything that I wanted to get done, I needed to get done now so that we could ship them off. And I wasn't, because go going to the post office with four kids in tow and a whole bunch of gifts to mail off did not sound like a fun activity to myself. And I didn't really want to pay a babysitter so that I could go do that. So I figured doing it now as opposed to later <laughs> takes the stress off. I can have Eric go drop them off at the post office or I can go drop them off at the post office and I don't have to pay a babysitter. So I have almost all the gifts done. I have... You left, and then... We will inevitably have more people to buy gifts for. I have all the family gifts done. Okay, so all the immediate family were done. And extended family. Extended family. That, that, I think that means nieces and nephews, if I'm Yeah, nieces mistaken. and nephews. Okay. Yeah. So, but I still have stocking stuffers to do. <laughs> she asked me the other day what I wanted in my stocking. And I'm not going to say what my first answer was, but my second answer was a chocolate orange. And then she just laughed at me like that was ridiculous. And like, why would you do that? I was like, well, cause, because it's much better than a real orange. And again, she laughed at me like, I don't think she understood that like, that was like the family tradition. Every year we would have a stocking full of random things. And usually at the toe of the stocking was a giant orange. It wasn't until we got older that that orange turned into a chocolate orange. So that's just kind of a, a weird family tradition that we had. <laughs> but a chocolate orange definitely tastes a lot better than a real orange. See, we always got a book. Oh, did you also get like bingo cards and stuff? Oh, shut your face. <laughs> I'm not old. <laughs> I, well, we when I met her, like her and her sister's like favorite thing to do was like watch like Seven Brides and Seven Brothers and do that, puzzles. I Musicals. Musicals. <laughs> and I do not like that musical. My sisters love it, though. Musicals and old movies. And then card games. Like Pinochle. Yeah, that, that sounds like an old person's card game. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we taught you how to play and you loved it. <laughs> it's good. I like playing. I like winning, you know. And then I, I, I especially like being told I play it wrong. <laughs> he did not adopt the um, not strategy. Yeah, they all had the same strategy. And so when you like try to think outside of the box and you're partnered up with somebody, they're like, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, no, I'm doing it right. Like, I'm doing it exactly how you're supposed to. You're supposed to think about how you play cards, not just do what automatically makes sense based on what your hand is. But then again, I also shoot the moon and hearts. So, you know. Not all the time. He just tries. 
That's I, yeah, that's true. I try to shoot the moon in hearts. <laughs> Let's correct this assumption. He's not a card shark. I'm just not good at it. He does try. <laughs> oh goodness. So we got our holiday shopping more or less knocked out. Karen is still, I think, hunting for a few last minute things. I, I've of course bought things I probably don't need. And Karen is very tolerant of, of such things. Just, just wait. <laughs> is there something once, coming in the mail? Eric gets, once Eric gets, <laughs> once Eric gets to a certain like price point level, I'll be like, "You bought this, and you bought this, and you bought this, and you bought this. I want my table now." <laughs> That's right. She's been like, so we bought a table when we got here. And it's a perfectly fine table. It is. It's a fine table, except for it's the got... chairs rotate. And they are painted black. Black. Which and it wears mar- off marks up on the, wall. on the wall. And it doesn't wash off of the wall. I have tried everything. Which means I have to repaint the wall before we move. Which is fine. We have kids. We kind of realized we were going to repaint things. But the other thing is it's an elevated table. And the kids, uh, being kids, have stood on the table, have kicked each other, have pushed each table each other off of the chair. Yeah, like, it's taller so than your average table, for sure. I would like to have a regular height table and maybe a bench seat, which I do realize that the kids are going to push each other off the bench seat, but <laughs> we might be able to fit like all the kids on one side, or if we have people over, we can fit more people around the table. But it is not a need, it is just a want. Yeah, but I, I get Facebook Marketplace postings periodically so i have to ask about dimensions because that's very important it has to actually fit in our house despite karen's pleas that she will (laughs) turn the child learning space that we created in the front of the house into a dining room which seems laughable but we we do we do need to restrict our table (laughs) to the size of the room it can exist in (laughs) She sent me some that are like probably like forty feet long. They are not forty feet. <laughs> like long. yeah, if we cut them in half. We would probably be okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want everybody to be able to fit around it. Uh, and by everybody, I mean everybody. Like the entire family, <laughs> if and when they come, yeah. Which is not going to happen because this house is not going to fit that, and it's not a forever home. So. It's fine. We we have at least another year. And speaking, I guess, kind of moving off of that. Uh, speaking of that. I did have a conversation with one of the surgery residents, um, former Trinity grad. So it was kind of nice to have a um, conversation with somebody who has made it into general surgery from a Caribbean school. And so I was uh, just asking her some questions. Letting, she did most of the talking, which is great because I had some questions. But um, when you let someone just talk about their program and their experience, you think of more questions and you can you get better insights into what's going on. And so she's at a program out in Arizona. I think she's only four months into it, but so she's got still easily four and a half years left of her life to give to this program. But it had some pretty good insights. There was one part of the medical school residency uh, residency application that I just wasn't very clear on, and that was the categorical versus preliminary programs and so I got a better idea of what categorical meant which means you were guaranteed a spot for 
you know, as long as that special team needs you to be in there to get your license or to be certified, essentially. And preliminary just means you get like one year and then you got to reapply. So that was good to know. So I know to to apply to more categorical because I don't really want to have to do this match thing every year. I got a little bit more information on their uh, maybe how to communicate with some program directors, which I, I had gotten a little bit before. So I got a little bit more information. So let's see what else did she. I think one of the biggest takeaways I got was maybe how to examine some of these residency programs and this is like very rudimentary because obviously when I'm in match when I am a resident I'm going to probably have a very different view on how I should have gone about some of this stuff so I'm trying to be a little bit proactive on how I examine some of these programs to try to figure out which ones are going to be a good fit for us as a family or as me as a medical student and I know at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to, well, if you match, you match. <laughs> I'm going to be happy matching. So one of the things that she kind of mentioned is that sometimes is neglected. You just don't know is what the call actually looks like because residents do call schedules. And so maybe that's not something you ask right away. Um, maybe not something that you immediately think about when you are interviewing. But when you have part of the interviewing process, you do meet with some of the residents so you have an opportunity to ask them about their call schedule and what that actually looks like. And then maybe asking about didactics and then kind of expectations on lectures because apparently some residents do lecture. <laughs> and then understanding what rounding with the preceptors looks like. Oh, then I guess the two other main points I, I guess I, I, I kind of underlined as things I wanted to remember for when I do my interviews one is try to get an idea of what their hours are like. And everyone kind of has a different view on this next part. So don't don't hate me too much about this. So generally speaking, residency programs have an, I think it's an 80 hour a week cap. They're only supposed to work residents for about 80 hours a week. And more than that, they can get punished or whatnot by medicare or whoever funds them some programs do not do this <laughs> some programs make the residents work longer and then they they lie and i know that there's to the uninitiated you're going to be sh you know shocked well, why would the residents do this why would the programs do this what i will say is that i think there was a neurology i want to say a neurology program i remember reading a news article about how it was flagged during one inspection for work hour violations and then on a second subsequent inspection they hadn't corrected it and so they closed down the entire program so that basically means people who were already in this residency program had to be positioned in other programs across the country which is probably a major life disruptor for all those residents two you lost that program so that's now a whole bunch of services are no longer being offered in that community. That's no more. That's a whole bunch of services that, as a medical student, you can't apply to get to do. Uh, you can't get into that program anymore. <laughs> so, um, as a resident, you may not want to report your program for work violation, hour violations, because you would like to continue to be a resident in that program, and you don't want your life to be made harder. Uh, so, there's a whole whole list of reasons why you would not report this 
and every resident has to make their own decision. Obviously, I'm not going to make any judgment on them for what decision they make. But as an applicant, you might want to try to figure out how that program operates because kind of going into the program with your eyes open, knowing what <laughs> knowing what you're going to be in for is good. Yeah, and it, it's not as simple as being like, hey, do you comply with the ADR? Right, because they're going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like this student had said something to the effect of one of the interviewees said something about... They didn't agree with the the 80 hour work week like they they had their own opinions about the 80 hour work week restrictions and that was all the person ever said about it but people who are in that program have a lot to say about that <laughs> <laughs> so that might be more of a question for like when you are with the actual residents themselves yeah, Just be like, you, what is your typical work week hours and you got to find a tactful way to yeah. ask i guess or maybe it's something you just have to figure out when you do an externship, if you do um, an away, away elective at this, uh, lo certain locations, then you can try to figure out how many hours are they actually logging. And I'm excited to kind of circle back to that news story. One of the things I, I took away from that was also when that hospital went to fill the void of the medical students. So they had, I want to say, like nine residents in that program rendering services to people in the community in order to basically fill that void with paid physicians they had to hire like 15 <laughs> so you imagine paying 15 board certified physicians to cover the amount of work that nine residents were doing and like residents don't get paid nearly as much as a board certified neurologist is going to get paid so it i mean residents do bring value to the systems that they work at there's also risk of course with residents and systems but that's not that's not exactly what i want to construe but so that was one maybe one thing that she put across that i really kind of wanted to look into and try to be aware of when interviewing with with residencies so the other thing that she mentioned was the amount of experience you need or is going to be expected of you when you first step on for your first rotation or your first shift as a resident, how much experience, how much knowledge of procedures and how to do the procedures do you need to know? Because that was a concern I have because in the, in the age of COVID, a lot of online medical school with a lot of, you know, like we don't want your hands on patients sort of thing. There's a concern that like we're not getting you know, we're not placing as many IVs. We're not placing central lines. We're not doing procedures. We're not, and then, I don't know if a lot of med students actually have ever, you know, done a lot of that stuff. But when you get into these residency programs, are they expecting you to be able to do these things, do uh, procedures on patients, minor ones, obviously, without any supervision? So that was something that she had asked that maybe there's something you could ask in your interview to see it tactfully. Not, don't make it sound like you have no idea what you're doing, but tactfully try to figure out, like, is the program going to handhold you for the first few months or are they going to drop you and expect you to f swim? And then take that information and do what you will with it. Like, like, if you need to get more experience, then get more experience. Figure, you know, try to figure something out. I don't know how possible that is, to be completely honest, but 
I know in my rotations, a, a lot of times it, you had to be assertive. Um, you had to go to your preceptor and kind of say, can I do this? Can I do this injection? Or can I do this this uh, pharynx swab or whatever? And then they would say, yeah, sure, why not? But a lot of times the preceptors won't ask you to do it because they have nurses do it and they don't, they don't do it. So why would you need to know how to do it? But it's obviously a skill that you would need to know. So... I mean, there was a lot of things that she went over. So those are just kind of a few main points that I, I kind of took away. Um, and again, this is a, kind of all part of this process of trying to understand the residency match process, trying to understand what the next step in our life is going to be. And how to best set ourselves up. So I think we'll be working on that some this week. Um, I think the plan is, is Eric studies during the day. When he comes home, we get have dinner put the kids to bed all that all that lovely stuff and then him looking at programs me wrapping up gifts yeah. and then wrapping christmas <laughs> presents talking about that and maybe seeing if during the holidays with our travels if we can even i don't know tour or go see a couple hospitals that might be on the list yeah there was a yeah we could we had looked at the programs and we noticed a couple programs in the area my parents are living at currently out in Texas and maybe thinking about the possibility of just doing a quick sit down with some of the program directors and or trying to see if they'll let me shadow the residents for a few days uh, I don't want to take up my entire holiday with the family obviously and 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 not enjoy family time and just spend all the time in the hospital working because I have I'm going to have at least four years, you know, four or five years of doing that in residency. But it might be nice to have that opportunity to get a little bit of exposure to residency programs I might be interested in. And then they get a little exposure to me as well. So, again, it's kind of networking in a way, but it's also me getting a little bit of experience. <laughs> and that's kind of one of those benefits as well. We mentioned earlier that right now I'm online. I'll have to take my shelf exam in two and a half weeks. But after Thanksgiving, I'll be online OBGYN. And so basically we'll be doing iHuman cases and doing my online med ed videos until Christmas. And then we have two weeks off of Christmas. And so theoretically, if I can arrange some of this stuff to happen during my OB rotation, I might just do that. Because I don't not, I don't have a shelf exam until three weeks after Christmas. So yeah, we're just trying to set ourselves up the best way that we can and give ourselves opportunities as they present themselves and kind of work towards towards that. So that's kind of on our list of things to do this week, and maybe we'll check back in next week and just yeah, so give you a progress report. We don't we're not sure exactly what the next week will bring. Obviously, well, this when this next week is, I mean, what we know it will bring is I'll be studying for, you know, I'll do my eye human cases. Uh, the preceptor for peds isn't going to be back until next Wednesday. So I won't be rounding at the hospital with him until next Wednesday. Yeah. We don't. And Karen will be continually shopping for Christmas gifts. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> I only have three left to get. Um, <laughs> sure. Well, unless we buy for friends too, but, I, I don't know if I'm going to be... But I hope none paint. of our friends are listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't discussed that yet. <laughs> who, who Who is on the list outside of immediate family, right? We, we're not 
didn't have that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go out of my way to offend people. No, um, you keep interrupting and throwing me off. I'm, what I'm here for. What I'm here for. Yeah, I'll take a drink. You you finish your thought. I was saying we don't really know what we're doing this week because we might help paint or or do other things. The kids have are still getting over being sick, so I think a lot of it kind of depends on how much sleep we get and whatnot. Okay, that's what you meant. Yeah, but you kept interrupting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Rude. I love you, babe. I love you too. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, MedFamilyMD. Uh, we'll try and get a little clip up this week. We failed last week. I'm sorry. And you can listen to us on any and all podcasting podcast platforms. Platforms. <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh at me. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out here. No, I appreciate. I, I really, I really I never appreciate do the intro this. or the exit. So. I, I really appreciate this, especially coming this. from somebody who never <laughs> listens to the podcast. I appreciate the effort and <laughs> that you tried. That's what counts here. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I get for all this effort? <laughs> I know, I know. But we will see you next week. All right, bye.